I'm Dave Brisky, and I'd like to welcome you to this week's program on Brisky Business. Once again, thank you for making me part of your day. Uh, anytime you have questions or topics that you're interested in, please write me at briskybusiness at entvusa.com, and I will take your questions and integrate them into the program. You know, like I've always said, this is your program, and it's all about you. Now, generally, you can find uh, the information in, in past episodes on the ENTV USA app. So go over there and check us out. They're getting more and more downloads on that app, and I'm super proud of what uh, NTV USA is doing with their programming, and I'm proud to be a part of it. Uh, Brisky Business is typically four segments, right? Brisk Business Basics, Brisk Buyer Bail, Brisk Bulls and Bears, and Brisk Best and Brightest. And we try to do a bit of mentorship. But once in a while, every three or four programs, what we like to do is go back to the listening audience and answer some questions. And we, uh, we've accumulated several questions uh, since we've had so many guests that have been on the program. And I really want to thank all the guests. We've had some amazing people on the program. Uh, but this one, I'm going to have to fly solo. So we'll start off with Brisk Business Basics. And I'm going to go ahead and read a question that I got from Anita from Fort Worth, Texas. So allow me to read this. She said, hi, Dave. I really enjoyed your show featuring Jack Brewer. I'm from a town about 12 miles from Grapevine, Texas, which of course is where Jack Brewer is from. And so she was very impressed uh, by this guy. And I'm impressed by Jack Brewer too. It was a joy to have him on the program. And she had two questions. So we're gonna just start with her first question, which she said that Jack and myself, we both spent time talking about building a team and related that to sport. And it's interesting, we've had several athletes on the program and they, there seems to be this continual parallel between sports and business. And, and I get that. And so when we look at uh, what's going on between sports and business, uh, there's a lot of similar principles. So this is what Anita was asking about. And she asked us to break down uh, the process between the principles of sports and how she might be able to implement them at work. Uh, she let me know that she had a print shop with about 15 full-time employees. So a nice, nice business there. Uh, so congratulations on that. So when we really talk about marrying business principles and sports, I think really we have to start off with who's the coach, right? Who, there has to always be someone who is in charge, you know, that CEO or that owner or whatever. I'm not one big in the titles. I think we just need to know who's in charge out of trust and respect. But we do, do need to know who the coach is, right? For the Dallas Cowboys, that was simple. We had Drew Pearson on the show, and that was uh, Tom Landry. Or in the, uh, obviously, uh, in New England Patriots, that would be Bill Belichick. He doesn't have to say he's the head coach. Everybody knows it. And so when you're running your business, you need to make sure people know that you're the head coach of that team. So the speed of the leader is the speed of the pack here. The pace you run, your team will run. If you're not running at a proper speed or you're disappointed of the pace that your team is running at or your uh, group of employees are moving at, the best thing you can probably do is look in the mirror. And coaches do that all the time. So the next thing I think you have to look at is culture. What do you want your organization to look like? And we're going to spend a lot of time this week on culture. It's a topic I've been wanting to get to for quite some time. It is so important. And really, every organization has a culture, uh, whether you wrote it down or not, or whether you think you do or not. It is just the way your business is operating. So 
let's get into culture in detail and describe how to create a culture document. But before we get there, I ask you this question. Do you have the right people in the right spot? Now, that's what it's really going to be about in the beginning. Anita talked about her team with 15 people in it. You can't have them all doing the same thing, obviously. Can you imagine an NFL team that only consisted of linemen or an NBA team that was just made up solely of point guards? It would be extremely difficult to, uh, to win a championship with that type of team. So we need to make sure that we're putting the right team on the field, and that, that is complementary. And in smaller businesses especially, we need to make sure we've got duplicative coverage, right? We need to make sure that there's a backup for every position so that we can have a culture where time off could be allowed, or if you needed uh, to be home with a loved one, you'd have a backup, no matter how us what size that position is so we need to have that really dialed in in our culture but you got to have the right people at the right position uh, and one other thing I like to tell a story about what can happen with different cultures uh, as you know my uh, career prior to this was with the great Drew Pearson we had a business together called Drew Pearson marketing and we um, integrated or merged with a Minnesota company now, first of all, you can imagine that a Dallas Cowboy who actually caught the Hail Mary merging with a Minnesota company, which was the company the Hail Mary was caught against, we already were starting off on a really bad foot, right? I mean, you are talking about the, the, a, a, a catch that Drew made that really put a, a spear in the hearts of Minnesota fans, and all of a sudden all these Minnesota people are involved with a Texas company, and the leader in the name on the door happens to be the guy Drew Pearson who caught that pass. So we weren't really starting at a good position. But we realized very, very quickly that culture was going to be critical. And we noticed that there were two very different cultures between those two organizations. And we suffered and we floundered for the first six months with that, those cultural differences. Tons of end fighting, tons of challenges, tons, tons of silos being built in the business, a lack of working together. And we, we learned very, very quickly that if we didn't come up with a compatible culture, in other words, these two companies together establishing their culture, that our road to success was going to be extremely difficult. So we went to work on that. And, you know, I say this, and I've said it on prior segments, and it's definitely a brisk bit, that if you can't write it down, it can't be done. And I find it very important to be able to write your culture down so that when people come into your business, they can understand the culture, they can understand what the goals of the, are the businesses in terms of its culture, and they can buy into it during the hiring process to be part of that culture. So what are you going to do in a situation like this where two companies came together with two completely different cultures? How are you going to meld that into one culture? So what we did is we took some time and we took the teams on both sides. We took the team from Texas and we took the teams from Minnesota on basically a retreat. That's how important culture is. And we took them on this retreat, and the good thing about that was everyone got to know each other a little bit more. And when we did that, we then set off on a mission of establishing our culture. Now here's the interesting thing about that. The first thing you have to do when you're going to try to establish a culture is you have to understand 
what your current culture is. And many, many folks say, well, you know, our company doesn't really have a culture. Every company does. It is the way, it's the norms, the value system of which your company is operating under. It just automatically forms. And so what you have to do in the case of a merger is we needed to sit down with all of the teams on both different companies and sit down and talk about what our culture really was, what those things were important to the Minnesota company, what those things that were important uh, to the Texas company were, and identify those things so that we could really understand what the culture was. And so that was about a 10-day process we went on a retreat. We broke it up into, we covered the weekends because one of the things we wanted to focus on is work ethic and making sure we were in our business during work week. But we did a series of long weekends, two of them, uh, not back, back to back, where we started on a Thursday and went through a Tuesday and really sat down and did that hard and difficult homework of looking in the mirror and establishing what our culture was, what the strength and weaknesses of the company was, what the value system was, how it differentiated between the Minnesota group and the Texas group, and then go ahead and try to identify that. Let me tell you something. That is an absolutely huge, huge project to get there. The disagreements that took place on culture were critical. But I'll tell you this, that project was pivotal into the company going from a floundering company, a struggling company, a company with end fighting, a company that wasn't operating like a team, to a company that became a team. That process melded us together. That process gave us a common vision. That process allowed us to become the company that we ultimately became. And by writing it down, by taking the time to write down and create a culture document, we were able to hire people into that particular culture. When we recruited people, we knew the type of people we wanted. And also the people that accepted a position in this newly created culture, they knew what they were signing up for. They knew what was important to the company. They knew the value system that was established. They understood the philosophy of the company. They understood what was normal. They understood the most important principles within the business. And we started to fly as a company. And we started to find joy in the company. And what I wanna do on the next segment, which is Brisk's uh, buy or bail, is I want to get into the decision-making process that went into buy or bail and help you understand if your organization would like to establish a culture, how to do it, and I'm going to get granular with you so you understand the steps, and I'll even go through what that culture ultimately looked like at Drew Pearson. What a great project it was. It was the difference maker. It helped us guide every one of our decisions, and I'm really excited to share it with you. I think taking notes for this show is going to be paramount for you because I think there's some things you can do for your business that will really, really help it because we're going to dig in the culture. This section is about Brisk's buy or bail. Well, we had to make a decision, continuing with last segment, on 
should we try to establish a unified culture within our business? That's a buy or bail decision for us. We could have just said, wow, that's too much risk. We may upset the company we merged with because they had a certain culture. We may then rock the apple cart in the Texas culture. Or should we take the risk and try to put it all together? And so we really did write it down and think about it. We were afraid we might lose good people. But we realized after six months of actually bailing on trying to create a unified culture that that was a bad strategy, that we needed to have a unified structure and a unified culture and we needed to come together as a company because we were not performing. There was a lot of end fighting, a lot of hand grenades being lobbed, a lot of back talking, and we just weren't going to have that in our company. So what did we do? Well, we were going to create a culture document. And uh, it was that process, and we had to take people off-site, and it cost us money and all of that. But we started to realize that that investment was one we couldn't afford not to do. We had to make that. So get out your pen. First thing you got to do is you have to understand what culture is, okay? And I always say you have to be able to write it down. So the goal of your company is to establish what your culture is, and that takes some of that honest work, really looking in the mirror and figuring out what's important for you as a company. So let's just broadly look at culture and what makes it up. First of all, I would write this down. There's actually three parts to it, okay? Culture is the overarching part of what you're trying to create. And here's what it consists of, the values, norms, and philosophies. So culture then, what is it? Culture is your organization's personality. It's the glue, actually, that holds your organization together. So it's that glue that you, and the stronger you make it, the stronger the company is. And it consists of values, attitudes, beliefs, behaviors, practices of organizational members, uh, it encompasses expectations, norms, rituals, communication patterns, symbols, symbolism. Think about that. What are the symbols? You know, that means something in your company. Heroes and reward structures. All companies have these, but have they defined it? Uh, it culture is very difficult to quantify, as you can see, and it's difficult to evaluate because it's made up of big, big things, which are the easy ones, but lots of little tiny things. And you need to know those little tiny things, how they come together to establish what your culture really is. It encompasses all that the organization does, and it determines the organization's readiness to act and, more importantly, to change and what the process is for that deep down in that culture. So culture is really the present manifestation of the past, the challenges and successes, mistakes and lessons learned that help you shape your future, right? That helps your future be shaped. So the present manifestation of the past, what we learned, make changes, and what is going on in our future. And it becomes the organization's memory. How important is that? understanding your organization's memory. It guides behavior and provides a sense of identity, stability, and organizational boundaries. So very important. The organizational memory I wanna just touch on just for a minute. You know, ultimately we talked about merging two companies together, but we did end up merging another division that was a company based in China. Wow, did I learn a lot about culture from the Chinese. They celebrated every year's birthday of the company. I never saw that happen in America. I find that odd with failure rates. They didn't celebrate 
their victories. They didn't. They they celebrated victories, but in the United States that didn't happen. We may I may have seen a hundred year celebration, but I never heard of a one year or two year or three year or four year celebration. But the Chinese were great at this. They celebrated being in business. Wow, what a great. Memory that is right. Memorize. Remember how important that birthday is. Remember and celebrate that we made it another year. That we are thriving another year. Really, really big cultural difference between what was going on in those parts of Asia and and particularly China in our case, and what was going on in America. So I love the idea of the organization's memories being documented and and、uh, being there for us to look at. Uh, as we move on in our ages, you know, within these boundaries, people gauge the appropriateness,、uh, appropriateness of their thoughts and actions, and determine the norms and values from the organization's cultural rules and beliefs. So we're going to set up those boundaries when we create this culture document, and then we're going to go right down into our rules and beliefs so that we understand exactly what they are. So, in the culture where values are shared and enthusiastically embraced,、uh, employees can make decisions that positively affect the company. Think about it. Once they understand that value system and they know what's acceptable, they're free now. Your employees can thrive because they know what's acceptable. They don't have to move through business sheepishly. They know what they can do. They know they've got the support of the company, and they know how it'll work. When organizations seek greatness. They often find aspects of their organizational culture that need change. So, what does that mean? Your culture is a breathing thing. As your business evolves, it's going to change. As it expands or even contracts, your culture may have to change some, and you may have to tweak it, or you may have to keep the eye on the prize where you established the culture to make sure you don't lose those core values that were there when you started the company. So, in all organizations, formal and informal values, philosophies, and norms interact to create the vibe, and that vibe is what we call culture. Okay, so that's where we're heading. What is the vibe of your company? Have, can you document it? What are you celebrating? And we're going to get into that value system now. So I said there was three areas of it, and why don't we roll into values and at least define it as we conclude this segment? So what are values? You know, I get that question as well. Like, oh, you want to establish a value system, but what are values? So values are deep-seated beliefs that you feel strongly about. Typically, they encompass beliefs about the world and how it operates. They're emotional guidelines that govern the behavior and our attitudes. Values determine our choices, including those that are in our organizational context. Values determine our choices, including those that are made、uh, by all the employees. And employees learn about company values via their actions and the actions of their managers, of course, and by observing these behaviors. Right, we want to speed of the leader, speed of the pack, manager. What's their culture? They're going to watch that behavior, especially somebody new, and see what their value system is. And when you observe the executive team and the key managers and employees, they'll become acquainted with many of the organization's values, including how the company treats its people. How critical is that? How does the company treat its people? Very, very critical piece. And how the company spends money, and what the value the company places on company time—that is key to the value system.、Uh, we, 
when we set up our uh, values, we actually came up with seven core values. That's where we landed, that drive the company and contribute greatly to its culture. So this is where we started when we went to value, and we had to figure out what those seven were. And here's what I would advise you to do. Get a big whiteboard, get everyone in the room, and start throwing out those things that are super important. And there's going to be a lot more than seven. But one thing you don't want to do is try to have 100 values. It's just too much to actually get everyone on the same page. We're talking core values. We're talking about those things that are absolutely critical to your value system. And if we work really hard, we can land on those core values. And what we're going to do is we're going to come back uh, on the next segment and we're going to talk specifically about the values we set up and we're going to get into the other parts of culture to help you be able to define the culture in your company and establish a culture document that's written down. And if you'll write me, I'll even share a template with you. Write me at briskybusinessentvusa.com and I'll get you a template that'll help you establish a culture that'll take your company to the next level. Uh, this is Dave Brisky. This concludes uh, this segment of Brisky Business. We'll be back.